0: But great to be together. We've had a brilliant morning so far across our two other services, and just great to see God's, God's working amongst us. And I do want to just apologize for the slightly effeminate uh, flask that I chose this morning to hold my water. It's the only one I could find, um, and there's a strange Australian animal on the front. I'm not quite sure what it is. So if you can tell me what it is, you can keep the flask, because <laughs> anyway, making me feel really slightly uncomfortable. I'll try and hide it as I speak. Alright, well we're going to get into the Word of God together and I'm going to invite you to stand because sometimes it's good to enact with our bodies what we believe in our hearts. And so I remember as a, uh, as a, a good schoolboy who went to a Catholic school, every time our teacher would walk in the room, uh, everyone would stand up. Because they were trying to teach us when someone of authority walks in the room, you honour the person of authority until they tell you to sit down. And so really this is what us, this is what we're doing here is saying the Word of God has authority over our lives. And so we're standing in the presence of God's Word as we read it together and we're saying the Word of God is not under us, it's over us. And it has power in our life and it has power to change us. It's God's living Word. It's His blueprint for life. So... Uh, you can either read with me as I read, uh, or you can let me read to you. It's totally up to you, but I'm going to turn my back and do it anyway. So here we go. Let's, let's go. Galatians chapter 5. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality impurity and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions and envy drunkenness orgies and the like don't shout bingo if you have all of those okay i warn you as i did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of god here's some better news But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Amen. This is God's Word. Let's sit down. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for its authority in our life. We thank you that it's your blueprint for our lives. Lord, we want to live by it. Lord, we thank you that you say, blessed are we if we hear these things and put them into practice. And so, Father, I pray as we hear your word, we would then go and put it into practice. And that, Holy Spirit, you would change us from the inside out as we listen to your word in faith. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who always comes to do us good. And so I pray today, Lord, uh, whatever uh, part of our journey we're on with you, that you would come today by your Spirit and do us good and make us more like Jesus. Lord, that's our prayer. Make amen. us more like Jesus this morning, Lord, that we, that, we, that we might walk like him in the world, live like him in the world, look like him in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. That boom is just the power of the Spirit that is emanating from me as I talk. So. If it disappears, don't worry, the power's still there. Um, let Let me start talking to you this morning by drawing your attention to Abraham Lincoln, one of the most famous of all American presidents, And uh, on the 1st of January, 1863, Abraham Lincoln announced what became known as the Emancipation Declaration. And it was probably one of the most famous declarations of freedom that has ever been brought. And on that day, Abraham Lincoln signed in legislature, how do you say that? in legislation that's a much easier way of saying it thank you he signed legislation that said the three million people that were still held in slavery across the United States were now free men and women and that they could walk free on that day on the 1st of January and I know that's good news that is good news And I read of one story of one man who, uh, for many years had been a slave to a master and he drove the coach of his master. And on that day, on the 1st of January, when he heard Abraham Lincoln's statement, he thought to himself, I am free. And it said he put on his best coat, put on his best watch, put on his best shoes, went to see his master and said, master, you can drive your own coach from now on. And he walked out the door into his freedom. But what's interesting about that day in history is that although 3 million people were announced as free, only 20,000 actually walked free on that day. And it actually took many years for that declaration of freedom to be turned into a lifestyle of freedom for many people that had lived under slavery. How many of you understand that just because you're declared free doesn't necessarily mean that you live free? One American author said this, We must be free, not because we claim freedom, but because we practice it. Because we practice it. And so as we come to our passage in Galatians this morning, Paul has got exactly the same concern for the Galatians because up till this point he has been saying, listen, you are free because of Jesus. He has set you free. What he's done at the cross is enough for you. Just believe in it and you're free. You don't need your religious works. You don't need all that stuff you used to trust in. Belief in Jesus, faith in Jesus, you're free. That's his big declaration. But he has a concern, and the concern is that although you're free, you still seem like you're living like slaves. Why are you still living in the ways that you used to? We read there, it said, you are still being conceited and envious towards one another. Earlier on in chapter 5, it says, why are you still biting and devouring one another? So Paul has this concern that although I've told you you're free, you don't really behave like free people yet. You're still doing the things that you used to do. Freedom hasn't resulted in freedom in your life and behaviour. Because let's just go back to the previous slide just real quick. Because really all that Paul has been preaching over Uh, the course of this letter to the Galatians has been leading to chapter 5. Chapter 5 is like the crescendo. It's like I've been building up to this point and here's the good news. Chapter 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That's the good news of the gospel. If Christ sets you free, you are free indeed. Indeed. And so he's been leading to this point, And as if to emphasise it, he repeats it in chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. This is, his, this is his emancipation declaration. You're free because of Jesus. But he's concerned because in both of these verses, he immediately follows them by saying, but I've got a concern for you. And here's what it says. Let's skip to not the next slide, but the one after. He says in, in chapter 5, verse 1, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free Therefore don't be enslaved by a yoke of slavery. That that, that word literally means don't be caught like a rabbit in a trap. That's kind of how that's meant to read. And and really there Paul is saying that there's a problem of legalism where now you're free because of Jesus, you still do religious works as a way of somehow trying to impress God still. And Paul's like, But God's not impressed by that stuff. All you need is Jesus. So don't be enslaved again. Don't be caught like a rabbit in the old trap of religious rules and legalism and following the law as if somehow that makes you more acceptable to God. So don't be enslaved here. But then equally in verse 13, he says there's also another trap. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. So do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. He's saying there's there's an opposite problem as well. And it's this. Because I'm now free in Jesus, not by works, but just by grace, means that I can now live however the heck I want. Paul's like, no, that is equally just a symptom that you're still living like a slave. Jesus has freed you, you're free indeed. So don't veer off to the left into legalism and religious rules, but neither veer off to the right where you think, now I'm free. I don't need to please God. I can live however I want because he's freed me by grace. I can do whatever I like. Paul's like, no, 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 no. If that's how you think and if that's how you behave, you're still living like functional slaves. But he's like, Christ has set you free by grace alone. And he summarises both legalism and licence as the works of the flesh. And you'll recognise that phrase from what we just read, the works of the flesh. And really that just simply means the things that we do in our bodies that aren't in line with the freedom that's now ours the works of the flesh, the the way we use our bodies and our lives and our time and our lips and our words, the works of the flesh. And so I guess a question for us at the start of the new year is, which of these do you struggle with more? Is it legalism or is it license? Is it the tendency to think, well, if I go to church every week and if I fast and I pray and I give my money and I serve the poor, and somehow I'm more acceptable to God because I do those things. Is that your issue? You know, maybe even just during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, maybe some of us come with the attitude of, well, I'm fasting, so that means I'm kinda more ahead of the queue than others. (laughs) You know, God's listening to me more than others because I am just slightly more acceptable than her because she's not fasting as much as I am. Is that how you think? You think your works somehow make you more acceptable to God? They're not. It doesn't impress him that much. There is one person that he is completely impressed with and his name is Jesus. And you are saved because your life is hidden in Christ. So that means it doesn't matter how many religious works you do, you can't impress him more than he's already impressed with you because you're in Christ. So is your problem legalism? Or is it more license where you think, well, I'm free and... If, if it, I'm free by grace, that means that I can do whatever I want. And Jesus still loves me. And I'm still forgiven. I'm still going to get into heaven. And so I can just make my own rules up. I don't have to obey what's in the word of God anymore. I can just, I can live, I can like be in Christ, but still be in the world. So I can do whatever I want. Maybe that's more your problem. Which is it? And so in our passage, what Paul is trying to do is say, listen, I'm going to give you the answer, the solution for getting into either of these dead-end cul-de-sacs where we act like slaves still. And here's his answer. He puts it in three different ways that are very similar. Verse 16, he says, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 18, be led by the Spirit. And then in verse 25, keep in step with the Spirit. So this is how you live a godly life is you walk by the Spirit. So let's dive into that, is everyone okay? Great, okay, Let's so let's dive into the first of these. We're gonna spend most of our time here. Walk by the Spirit. Paul says, so I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Do you want me to move this away from my mouth? Closer. Closer? Closer. Close is good. That's good, actually, because it illustrates my next point. So, Von and I are working in team on this particular issue, so this is, this is excellent. Is that okay? Perfect, thank you. Can just give it up for our amazing tech team at the back, like, who do such an amazing job? So, here's, here's Paul's first point. There are these two cul-de-sacs, these two kind of different concerns. How do you stay out of them? And he says, here's how you stay out of it. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And really what he's saying here is that the way that we live a godly life is that you build a relationship with Jesus. That's good, isn't it? It's so simple. How how do you live out of the cul-de-sac of sin and doing stuff that, that you used to do in your old life? Well, you just, you build a relationship with Jesus. You become a friend of God. You walk in friendship with him. You walk by the Spirit. And, and this is a phrase that occurs all the way through the Scriptures. It's like a pop-up phrase. People who walked with God. Um, now, before we go to the next slide, I made this mistake in first service because I gave the answer before I gave the question. And so here's the question. How many people here know who the first person in Scripture who was ever described as walking with God? Enoch, I heard it from over here. Prize goes to this section because you will you get like an associated prize because you're sitting in the same section. Okay? Enoch is the first person in scripture who's ever described as having walked with God and here's what it says in Genesis chapter 5. It says when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. And after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for 300 years. I know. <laughs> And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. And then one day he disappeared because God took him. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? And I love how Hebrews 11 kind of describes this, that it catalogues heroes and heroines of the faith and it includes Enoch and it says this, Hebrews 11, five, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. That's an important biblical principle. It's the principle of first mention. If you wanna find out, and get under the surface of what something means go back to the first time it was ever mentioned and here in the first time it ever talks about someone walking with God it says that Enoch was someone who lived in close fellowship with God in a way that pleased him and this is really what what Paul is saying he's saying if you live in close fellowship with God you'll live a life that pleases him if, if you lock eyes with Jesus and make him your priority and obsession in life, you, you, you just by default will live a godly life. You by default will start to find your life is bearing fruit for Jesus because you're in close fellowship with him. And this is the story all the way through the scripture in all sorts of different characters and people. Noah, for example, says Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Abraham, Genesis 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am the Lord God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Levi, one of Jacob's sons, says this in Malachi about Levi He stood in awe of my name, true instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity just I want you to notice the connection there between people who lived a blameless life and people who walked with God these two things go together and that's exactly what Paul is saying to the Galatians he's saying walk by the spirit and you will live a blameless life just like Enoch, just like Noah, just like Abraham, just like Levi, just, a, just like all the other characters that came across in your history. Walk with God and you will live a blameless life because here's what happens. As you pursue God as your main priority, all these other kind of trifling small things in life suddenly drop off because He becomes the most important thing. I mean, just, just imagine if you went to the Grand Canyon, okay? There's just like incredible spectacle. You turn up at the Grand Canyon. It's taken you a long time to get there. You're standing, looking at this, just, wow, I've never seen anything like this. What you don't do at that point is get your phone out and start playing Candy Crush. <laughs> I mean, some of you might, and if you do, you need help. I'm telling you now, as a friend to a friend, you need help. But what you don't do is is you you put this away. You say, I'm just putting this small trifling thing away so that I can behold what's in front of me. And, And this is the great idea is that when you walk with God, the closer you get to him, the more captivating he becomes. I promise you, the closer you get to Jesus, the more beautiful He becomes, the the holier He becomes, the more lovely He becomes, the more captivating He becomes, the more you want to walk in His ways, you begin to love the things that He loves, the things that He desires, start to, be your desires, His plans start to become your plans. The closer you get in proximity to Jesus, the less you think about just the trifling things of life, legalism and licence, doing whatever I want. No, no, these things start to drop aside because I have locked eyes with Jesus. I am walking with God. I am walking by the Spirit. And what happens by default is you start to live a blameless life. You start to live a godly life and you start to live in the freedom that Christ bought for you at the cross. That's what Paul is saying. You are free. So start living as free people to know God. You understand that you don't just need to know what you're free from, but you need to know what you're free for. Some of us perhaps don't think, what am I free for? I know what I've been freed from, but what am I freed for? Well, I tell you, you're free to know God. And that is the great purpose of your life and my life. You are free to know God. And without that purpose, you can actually live in freedom but live an absolutely boring, purposeless life because you're still rushing around after all the things that you used to. And actually Jesus is like, I have bought you as a price. Now know me. This is the big idea, to know God. See, walking is not passive. When you're walking towards someone, you're walking away from something else. And that's the idea here. Paul is saying, I want you to become Christian hedonists. Okay, I want you to find your greatest joy in God. You understand that's the best antidote to sin, is to find your joy in Jesus. Like become ecstatically happy because of Jesus. And you'll think about sin a lot less. You'll struggle with sin a lot less if you become ecstatically happy in Jesus because when you walk towards him, you're walking away from something else. Some of you are like, well, I'm just really struggling with this issue in my life and I can't break this habit. Here's the answer, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. You you understand that at the heart of the universe is a God who is highly relational. Father, Son and Holy Spirit in perpetual fellowship and union. They've always been talking to one another since eternity past and that he's invited you into relationship with him. And that's why, why sin is not so much a matter of breaking the rules as it is breaking someone's heart because he's a relational God. Do you understand? If you think of sin as breaking the rules, you've substituted a lesser thing for a much greater thing. Sin is actually breaking someone's heart. Imagine if I was walking along the road with my wife of 26 years, I love my wife so much. Can you imagine if I'm walking along the roads? and an attractive lady walks past, and I kind of take a second look, and then a third look, and I'm still holding Carol's hand, you know, we're still married, but I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. What would happen in that situation? Well, firstly, I'd get the fivefold ministry from my wife, quite rightly so. Let me tell you, that, That decision, if I was to do that as someone who's connected and joined and married to a woman that I love, if I was to make the decision in that moment to pursue something else, someone else, that's not only morally bankrupt, it's relationally suicidal. You understand, that decision is not just a decision about rules, it's a decision about love. Do you understand? to our, our relationship to things like sin and legalism and license, these are decisions of love. They're decisions I've chosen to walk with God because I love Him. And so therefore I constrain these other desires that the enemy will try and throw in my way. I constrain them and I say, I'm looking at Jesus. I am walking with Jesus. I am now married to Christ. You understand he calls you the bride of Christ. You are married to Jesus. You are married to Jesus. You are holding his hands. And so when you and I make decisions to just flirt and kind of look back at an old lover that we used to be married to called sin and death, how many of you know that's not just morally bankrupt, it's relationally suicidal because I'm now joined to Jesus. And that's why in the Old Testament, when Israel who God had bought by the blood of the lamb and brought out of Egypt, out of slavery and into his promises. It's why when they began to turn to other gods and other idols and stop worshipping God, God would say things like this to Israel, you are my bride. Why are you committing adultery? You understand? God is a relational God. And so when he looked at the Israelites, his people called by his name, he's like, why are you an adulterous generation? Because for him, their decision to walk away from him was like adultery because it's relationship, not rules. So Paul says, "Here's here's the way you stay out of the two ditches. Walk by the Spirit. Walk in the freedom that Christ won for you, the freedom to know God. You're joined to Jesus, he calls you the apple of his eye, the treasure of his heart, his beloved, his bride, his chosen ones. You're joined to Jesus, it's the most beautiful, wonderful, mysterious, spectacular thing in the world. You're joined to Jesus. And you're you're gonna spend all eternity pressing into your relationship with Jesus. If you don't like knowing him here, you're not gonna like heaven. I'm serious, because heaven's all about knowing Jesus. You, you realise that, right? Heaven's not just a route to health, wealth and prosperity. It's, it's the route to something much better and more important, which is you're going to know Jesus perfectly. You're going to know him just as you're fully known. Now we see in a glass dimly, but then we'll see face to face. Knowing Jesus is the main event. What does this mean for our lives? Well, it means that we, we prioritise knowing Christ. How do we do that? Well, just cultivate a life where you walk and talk with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Press into that as a priority. Learn to bear your heart to Jesus. Talk to him. Open up yourself to him and allow his influence in your life. You know, I remember the, the, the first time this really clicked for me as a 15-year-old and I just had my first heartbreak. Anyone remember their first heartbreak, that first like teenage crush where you think literally the world is ending. No one has ever felt the kind of pain that I'm feeling right now. I don't know if I'm ever going to recover remember that feeling well I had that one one summer as a 15 year old and I remember we went on a holidays as a family and the heartbreak had just happened and I was walk. I, I just went for a walk every day in the cornfields behind the place where we were staying and I would literally I'm sure I I bored God to tears because every day my prayer was the same Jesus I'm so sad make her change her mind Please, make a change of mind, God. Where are you? You know, it was that every day, just teenage anxiety and pain. And, you know, I'm sure God was bored. Actually, I don't think he was. I don't think he was because actually what I got out of those two weeks was something much better than the thing that I thought I needed. I got a close relationship with Jesus where I began to talk to him, not just as a saviour, but as a friend. And he began to get the real me, the real heart, God, this is how I'm feeling. I need you in my life. And that has stayed with me for the next 25, 30 years. Find how to get that place in your life where you walk and talk with Jesus, where you read his word as an invitation into friendship with him. Let's look at the last two points. And as I say, we're gonna do these very, very quickly. Paul goes on and he says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And this really flows out of all that he's been saying. He's saying, because when you walk with the Spirit, you'll find that the Spirit starts to lead you. He he starts to lead you in his ways. He leads you into green pastures for his name's sake. And so you're no longer just living as an orphan, trying to make up the rules yourself and your own strength, but you've got someone who is leading you forward. That's incredibly good news because the Holy Spirit always leads you into fruitfulness. He always leads you into green pastures, even if at the time it doesn't feel like a green pasture. How many of you understand even a wilderness season can become one of the most important seasons in your life if you find Christ there? (laughs) You're being led by the Spirit, which means nothing's wasted in God. Even your hardest experiences, when they're brought into the presence of Jesus, He can turn all things for our good. All things for our good, because we're being led by the Spirit. And what, it, what, it, um, what John Piper says about this, he says, really helpful. he says, Paul could have said, if you follow the Spirit, you're not under law. It would have been true, but in using the passive voice, if you are led, he emphasises the Spirit's work, not ours. The Spirit is not a leader like a pace car in the Daytona 500, but he's a leader like a locomotive on a train. We do not follow in our strength, but we are led by his power. So walk in the spirit means stay hooked up to the divine source of power and go wherever he leads. Remember the question we're answering, how do you stay out of legalism and license? Be led by the spirit. And then lastly, Paul holds up a mirror and at the start it's a pretty ugly mirror and he says, let me show you the difference between those that decide to live in the flesh, legalism or license, and those who choose to keep in step with the Spirit. Let's go to the next slide real quickly. He begins to give us a bit of a horror show of a list. And these, these, Paul says, are the fruit of those who don't walk with God. And he's talking about Christians. He's like, it's possible as a Christian to have heard God's great freedom declaration, but still produce this kind of fruit. And he says, you produce it by choosing not to actually walk with God in friendship. These are the natural consequences. You know, we start to think things like, well, what does it matter if I sleep with my girlfriend or boyfriend before we're married? What does it matter? Who cares? I'm free, I can do what I want. You know, this was written 2000 years ago. You know, Paul wasn't as enlightened as we are today. I can can surely make up the rules of what sexual immorality looks like. Who cares? Well, there is someone who cares and he's called God and he's given you a blueprint for life. And we've probably all seen what happens when we choose to make decisions to please ourselves and the ripple that has in the world around us. Paul says, these things are like, they're the wrong kind of fruit in our lives. And they're the fruit of choosing not to walk by the spirit, but instead to do whatever the heck you want. And Paul says, if you do that, it says, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's different than you won't be saved. It's not what you're saying. But he's saying in this life, you will not see the impact of the kingdom in your life if you choose not to walk by the spirit and obey God. Because you cannot have kingdom authority without kingdom intimacy. If you want to carry authority and see the kingdom break out in signs and wonders and miracles, then you need to walk with the king in secret and do what he tells you. And Paul is saying, these are the wrong kinds of fruit, but they're the fruit of people who don't actually walk with the Spirit. But thankfully, he ends on a much more encouraging note. Let's go to the nice tree picture. There we go. That's a happier place to be, isn't it? The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc., etc. Beautiful, beautiful fruit. And Paul is saying, listen, this is your natural habitat now. Now that you're joined with Jesus, this, this is the natural fruit that you bear in your life. This is who you naturally are now because you're planted in fertile soil called Jesus. And again, the emphasis here is, is not on us producing these things. These are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is what he's like. Do you understand the difference? It's not just me turning the handle and trying to become more loving. No, no, no. I walk with God and he is effortlessly fruitful in all of these ways. And by osmosis, when I'm connected to him, I become like these things. Do you understand the difference? The emphasis is on his work, not mine. You know, I, I finished with this story because I uh, got given a, an apple tree to plant in my garden. And if there's an opposite of green fingers, I have it. I kill every, every living thing that I plant, I kill. So I, I planted this apple tree in my garden thinking from the start, this will bear no fruits because I planted it. And lo and behold, one year in, it started to produce apples because that's what an apple tree does. It just produces the right kind of fruit because by nature, that's what it is. And Paul is saying, by nature, you are now in Christ. You're connected to someone who is always fruitful. And that's why Jesus says, abide in me, I'll abide in you, and you will bear much fruit to the Father's glory. And this is the gospel. Paul says, you're free. Live then as free people to know God. Let's pray together, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Why don't we stand? We're going to have a very quick moment of response. Listen, if you're here and this year, you want to make knowing Jesus just your number one pursuit now, I just want you to lift your hands where you are just in response to him he sees, he knows and it, for you this may be the first step you may not really know God yet well this could be your first step saying Jesus I want to know you This, this, you may be a very mature Christian but saying I just want to get closer to Jesus because the closer I get the better he becomes and so Father here we are Lord we, just, we say thank you that we are free people help us to live in the freedom that you brought for us God, help us to stay out of the ditches of legalism and license, Lord, because we're people that walk by the Spirit. We walk with God, Lord. How amazing to, to, to be like an Enoch who so walked closely with you that you couldn't do without him anymore. <laughs> and you just beamed him up Star Trek style because you wanted him close. He was such a friend of yours. And Father, we wanna be the friends of God in this room. And we wanna just produce the fruit of the kingdom because we're those that pursue the King. And so, Father, we just say, help us this year to walk closely with you. Thank you, you said, this is what I desire, that you walk humbly with your God. And so, Father, help us to pursue humility of walking with God before anything else. Holy Spirit, work in our lives. Help us to work these things out today, I pray. Lord, I pray for anyone here who's stuck in sin or struggling or battling with sin. Lord, we all have seasons like that. And I just wanna pray for you if that's you. I wanna say firstly, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He loves you. He loves you so much. And he has everything that you need for life and godliness through your knowledge of him. That's what the Bible says. And so I wanna pray for you that your, your desires would be overtaken by a greater desire to pursue Jesus above every other thing in your life. And I pray this for you in his mighty name. Amen, amen.